This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Three, two, one, and welcome everybody to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. And my guest today is my lovely sister, Meredith. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? You know, I'm doing well. It's a beautiful fall day over here in Norway. Uh, What's it like back home in Ohio? It is a little bit dreary this morning. Um, Our temperature has dropped. It's probably right around 49 degrees right now, and it's supposed to be rainy today. Okay. I don't don't know if we're going to get any sun, but it's, it's pretty dreary right now. And we woke up and it was a little below freezing this morning, and now it's maybe around 35, 40. Blue skies, uh, beautiful day. Wow. So I have a great day yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Um, Listen, I wanted to touch base with you because I would love to talk about, you know, there's been a lot of stuff on the news. We don't have to get into specifics about uh, Ice Cube's uh, contract with America and the controversy between him uh, going into a dialogue with the Trump administration and to a certain degree with the Biden uh, campaign. We don't have to go into that specifically, but I would like to talk about... um, The racial disparity in the United States. Uh, And then more specifically, I would like to talk about um, this thing, because you hear you hear Trump talk about I think he made some crazy comment about how he was going to have 95 percent of the black vote this time around. Ninety five percent is what he is quoted as as having said. And I hear you chuckle (laughs) when I say that. I, I find that hysterical. I, I think he's the most delusional person out there. Um, he, he's all talk and no action. Um, he, he just comes up with numbers for everything. You know, you can go all the way back to when he was campaigning the first time and he's talking about sold out crowds and yeah. using pictures from other events to make it look like he had more people there. He, he's delusional. He just makes up these numbers, and it still amazes me that so many people believe everything that he says. Would you go so far as to say that his followers are also delusional? Yeah, I think I would. Um, And it it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I, I don't know if anybody could truly understand why he even still has followers. And that goes as far as um, any women, any minorities out there, black people, Mexicans, whoever it may be. I just don't understand it. He's not doing anything for any of them and women especially that support him right about now. Personally, I feel like they should be ashamed. When he first, Why, why would you support this man? When he first showed up on the political scene, I kind of understood why. I mean, I thought he was the idiot that I've always thought he was since, you know, since the eighties, but I could kind of understand why some people kind of got behind him. Um, He's the non-political person. He's stating very boldly about what he's going to do for a segment of society that hasn't been heard. Let's just admit it that um, to a certain extent that, lower middle class or lower class white male, especially, uh, hasn't really been heard in the political spectrum 
over the last few decades. So I kind of get that they felt like, okay, here's somebody who's going to speak for us. But like you said, uh, to see these people still following him to this day, it just blows my mind. What, what, you know, where, where is the tax cut for those people? For example, the poorest people who need it. It's not just black and brown people. There's also some very poor white people in Appalachia. Well, forget about Appalachia. We see them, you know, you see them in the area where you live. And yet they still follow this guy and he hasn't done a darn thing for him. It's pretty amazing. Well, you know, I, I can use as an example. So I, I have a friend and um, she's one of those very outspoken people. She's going to tell you what she thinks, um, and she may even be a little harsh about it at times, but she will fight for whatever she believes in. Um, if it's a situation of where she needs to fight for you, she will do that. She's a very strong personality, and I think Trump is, is that type of personality as well. Um, but on the other hand she and I actually worked together and she was my union rep for a while. Uh-huh. A lot of people did not like her because she was so outspoken and such a strong personality, especially as a woman. Um, but when it comes to needing someone to fight for you and, and, and just say the things that need to be said and not be afraid about what anybody thinks, I kind of think of her. And then I think of Trump. Yeah. He's that person. And so, like you, I can kind of see why people originally got behind him. You know, here's this this guy. He's not going to take any mess. Um, he's going to straighten out this this country. But but someone but, but someone you who, know again, what has he done? Well, yeah, and I was going to say someone. I think you gave him a little too much credit there because someone who stands for what they believe in and they have good logic and good reasoning behind it. That is not Trump. I think that he is saying whatever he feels he needs to say to get the support that he needs. I don't think he believes in any of this stuff that he's talking about. I think he's just playing a role. I think he does. I feel like he does. Well, I I do think, I think he's a bigot. I think he's a misogynist. I think he's a racist. So when he says those things, I truly believe that that is what's in his heart. You know, if someone shows you who they are, you have to believe them. But I think when he comes with his, you know, if he comes with anything that's somewhat political, I don't think he really believes it because it goes totally against what he always uh, you know, at one point he was a Hillary and uh, and Bill Clinton supporter. And now the politics that this man is presenting is almost the exact opposite of that. So I think he's I think he's taking the political stand, you know, and for example, he's always uh, uh, he claims to be, you know, religious and, and, and he's pro evangelical and all this kind of stuff. That's just a bunch of baloney. That man has not had yeah. a religious bone in his body. So that's where I'm coming from, where I, I say, agree. yeah, I think he's saying when he takes political stances, he's saying what he feels he needs to say to, to garner support. So I, so I, so I, I think it's, I don't, I don't think he should be elevated to someone like your, like your friend, your former, your, your, your colleague that you spoke about, someone who is strong willed, but they can back that strong will with logic and reasoning and some sort of factual substance because this man cannot do that. Well, no, cause I'm, I'm not saying that I, I, I feel like that's, that's the, persona that he he puts out there you know as this businessman he feels like he just has to bogart his way into everything and intimidate people and make people 
think that he's just this untouchable type of person. My friend is not necessarily like that, but I'm just saying, you know, the the similarities with that personality type. Um, He, 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 I I just don't think that he believes anybody is on the same level as him except for his family. And that's about it. (laughs) He just thinks he's, elevated you know he's he's up on this pedestal he can do no wrong he can do whatever he wants who cares um you know i didn't i didn't do it i didn't say it if you don't have any proof doesn't matter and even if you do have proof i still didn't do it he's just take a bully let me let me challenge you here take a step out of your skin take a step out of your own uh brain your own thoughts what are people on the street, what are people there in your area of Ohio uh, uh, talking about? What's the debate out there? You know, you feel you feel what you feel uh, about Trump and about uh, the political situation, the social situation. What are people over there saying? Um, you know, I only see what people are writing online. You know, they're saying things like Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter is a terrorist organization. They're saying things like there is no um, systemic racism. They're saying, uh, you know, the police can do no wrong. Is that what you're hearing from people in your area of Ohio? Um, you know, I, I guess it depends because I have been at the point for quite a while that I stopped watching the news for the most part. I mean, I'll, I'll occasionally turn in and and just see what's going on. And then I might watch an interview here and there. Um, I'm, I'm so disgusted by everything that has been going on and the different things that he's doing that I just, I I don't want to say that I'm trying to block things out to, you know, avoid that negative stuff that's going on, but I'm just tired of it. I I don't see it getting any better. And I just, um, I mean, I can say the people in my circle are definitely not with Trump. Um, I have a few friends that are Trump supporters, but they, they kind of, you know, we, we respect each other in that regard. They might state their opinion, but we don't get into fights or anything like what, that. What is their opinion? What um, are they say, What are they saying? Are, is anyone talking about why they support him? So, okay, I have a friend that I work with, and um, he is one hundred percent a Trump supporter. Even though he'll he'll turn around and say, "Well, yeah, he he has lied about a few things," but I, I like the way <laughs> that he. Um, in in his words, he gets things done. And then mm. the next question for me is, okay, well, what has he gotten done? I mean, he hasn't really done anything. And kind of like how Trump do, does, he goes around it, and you never really get that answer. So I'm like, okay, then why are you supporting him? You can't even say what he has accomplished other than making everybody mad at us and, and making us the laughing stock of the world. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I don't get it. Do you, do you think that some of his or most of his supporters, do you think it's this thing where maybe it's an issue of pride? Um, they supported him to begin with and they were they were, you know, absolutely nuts about this guy. And over the course of his you know first three and a half, four years, they've seen that he's not delivering. They've seen his narcissism. They've seen all of the allegations against him, whether it's, um, you know, rape charges that this guy has against him or, you know, sexual uh, uh, 
improprieties. Um, they see that he is, uh, you know, all the questions about his tax returns, all the questions about his actual wealth and his business. And they're seeing all these things, but because they were so enthusiastic about supporting him at the beginning that they're too embarrassed to jump off of that train. They're going to ride that train. It could be. Yeah. I, I, it could I, be. I, I do think that there's people out there. Yeah, they don't want to admit that they made a mistake. Because I've been accused of being naive for for hoping for too much. When I say things like like uh, you know his supporters are who they are, but I question whether you know they're they're not all racist. You know they're not all no, um, no. Ig- they're all, they're not all ignorant of fact. Um, you know. But 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 it's this thing where maybe it's a matter of pride. They they, they don't want to be embarrassed, so they're just going to ride that train till it hits the brick wall. It could very well be. Um, yeah. I don't know. I I still don't understand it. But you know, I, guess I it is well, what it is. yeah, and that, and that's I the just, thing. I don't I I don't understand. It. I just can't understand the lack. Of, like you said, they 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 can't come with concrete reasons, factual reasons of things that he's done to build up their case for supporting him. I just can't find that. I just can't find bring up or they, they always want to bring up, well, Obama did this or Hillary did this. And yes. it, it's almost like with Trump, he's, he's so obsessed with them because every time you turn around, well, Hillary da, 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 and Obama, da, 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 who cares? That's, that's done with, that has nothing to do with what you exactly. may or may not have done. Exactly. And I've said it before that if if people are supporting him, they're supporting all this stuff that he's done. As far as you you mentioned the rape allegations, and I, how can you be behind someone like that? He yeah. acted like it was no big deal. Yeah, and he, like he almost like he was the victim. You know, oh, you're accusing me of this, and I just I don't know. It it, it makes me mad. It really makes me mad. Can we talk about Black Lives Matter, the movement and the organization in the Northeast Ohio area? What do okay. you, what do you know about it? Because here, here's what I've seen. Uh, when people ask me, what do I think about Black Lives Matter? I separate it into two different um, uh, uh, topics, if you will. Uh, Black Lives Matter, the movement. I think it's a genuine movement. I think it's a movement that is needed. I think it's a movement that brings the proper attention to the issue of racial disparity in the United States. Uh, I think it's a great thing, and I think it's a beautiful thing. So that's one part of it. Mm -hmm. And the other part is Black Lives Matter, the organization. And I think there's a lot of weakness there. I think there are some pillars in that structure that need to be shored up. I think that the way it is such a decentralized organization in that, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter in Akron can have a completely different agenda than Black Lives Matter in Philadelphia. Uh, And I choose Mm -hmm. Philadelphia Mm -hmm. because I saw some things that some of the Philadelphia uh, leaders, although they won't call themselves leaders in Philadelphia, that they wrote. And I'm like, oof, that's going a little bit over the line there, (laughs) you know, Um, and I'm saying that as a black American man, that they went a little too far, a little, they were stirring up, you know, they were sticking their finger in that pot of racism and stirring it around, which 
to me was very disappointing. And there's other factions, other you know cities or areas in the Black Lives Matter organization that I also think are going too far. What do you think? What are what do you think? And what are people in your area of Ohio saying about Black Lives Matter, the movement, and Black Lives Matter, the organization? Well, there was there was something that I read online. Um, as a matter of fact, it was on Facebook. There was a conversation going on. Um, I would say maybe about a week or so ago in regard to <clears throat> Black Lives Matter. And someone, and it was, it was somebody black, made the comment that um, the Black Lives Movement has no black leaders. And everybody, of course, jumped on that comment. Well, what do you mean? What are you talking about? What do you mean there's no black leaders? And he just kept saying that... Um, and anyone that says they're a leader, they're not really black because their agenda is not what it should be. This should be about um, doing everything that you can for black people, which, okay, yes, it, it yeah. should be. Yeah. Um, it, it should be about justice for black people. Okay, yes, it should be. But yeah. he, it's like he, again, couldn't come up with specifics as to what do you mean? I mean, I don't understand how you can make a comment like that. And not expect people to come at you and say, well, okay, tell us what you're talking about. We don't get it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't really know what that was about. I'm, I'm still, I've, I've thought about that a couple times ever since I was kind of following that conversation. Um, well, I, I have heard from one black friend that she feels that um, it's not a positive um, organization. Like you said, the, the, the movement is what it should be, but the organization itself, um, not necessarily tied to that terrorist label that some places have given it, but she doesn't agree with it. Um, we had a long conversation about it, and she feels like too much negative attention has come to it because of all these protests and, um, you know, Black Lives Matter is behind all these protests. and. You know, again, I was like, what What are you talking about? I mean, yes, there's always going to be bad apples in the bunch. It doesn't matter what your organization well, is. There's and another, always well, going to be someone. And, and here's a fact for people who bring that up, that Black Lives Matter is behind. Uh, for, first of all, I make a difference between protests and riots. Big difference. Black Lives Matter is behind protests. Absolutely. And that's a good thing. Martin Luther King was behind mm -hmm. the protest. But you're going to have agitators. You do have agitators. It is a fact. Uh, law enforcement has documented uh, uh, the fact that that uh, um, outside agitators from white nationalists, uh, uh, right-wing groups, far right-wing groups, are infiltrating these protests and deliberately stirring up trouble. Uh, you know, they've even arrested white men who are wearing blackface, you know, setting fires and breaking windows and stuff. I mean, what is that? And those are facts. This isn't something that, that people just dream up. It's not something that uh, some blogger has just written about. These are facts, and it's been documented by law enforcement, documented by the mainstream media. But people want to ignore right. that, and I think that's a lazy, that's the lazy debater. That's the lazy uh, social activist that just sees the surface of things. Oh, here's a Black Lives Matter protest, and buildings are burning, so that means Black Lives Matter is a horrible, terrorist, destructive organization. And that's just lazy logic. Right. That's lazy logic. Right. 
yeah, it's 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 a sad comparison. But that goes but, but that goes back on this thing where there's this trend in the United States to where where people just want to ignore facts. They just want to go with the dogma. They want to go with the conspiracy theory and they just ignore facts. And I'm sorry, I blame that on the current administration because from day 1 they've given a green light to anything that has to do with uh non-fact you know, conspiracy theories mm-hmm. and just straight up lies. They've given a green light for people to, to, to go that route. Right. Right. It's, um, it's, it's pretty disheartening to, to think about, you know, we had that, you and I had that conversation, what, a couple of weeks ago about people not wanting you to speak out about things that are going on. You know, I'm, I'm sorry if this is unpleasant for others to hear, but why would you keep silent? I'm not going to keep silent. There's a lot going on. Yeah. And I think, I think the whole conversation makes a lot. First of all, I'm not any kind of a political commentator, you know, like anyone else walking the streets, I have my opinions about politics, but I'm no kind of a political commentator. When I talk about these things, I'm talking at it from the social um, uh, uh, standpoint. I'm talking about the effects on our society, um, you know, human rights, um, racial disparity, um, things like that. And to me, that's not politics. To me, that's a question of right or wrong. You know, you can, you can be a Republican, you can be a lifelong Republican, but you can still stand for what is right. You can still stand for justice uh, but I think a lot of Republicans feel that just because Black Lives Matter has the word black in it, they have to stand against it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I and I think it makes a lot of uncomfortable, a lot of people uncomfortable to hear discussions like this. You know, um, like I said, I've I've got people that have turned their backs and 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 walked away because I choose to talk about. Um, you know, systemic racism, and it makes them feel uncomfortable. I'm sorry if you feel, well, I'm not sorry if you feel uncomfortable. If you feel uncomfortable, that's actually a good thing because that means that you hear a little bit of truth in, in what's being talked about. That's the way I look exactly. at it. Exactly, and like, it, 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 like people have said before, the truth hurts, you know? Sometimes, sorry. it doesn't have to. <laughs> it, it hurts. Yeah, but it doesn't really have to. I mean, people can hear the truth about the racial situation in the, you know, I've had people, here's another, here's another thing. Um, I've talked with some of my Norwegian friends over here about um, the Tulsa massacre, uh, 1921, the Tulsa massacre in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they have rolled their eyes and looked at me like I was a crazy man because they just can't believe that what I'm saying is the truth. They think I'm just way out of line, some sort of radical, you know, feel sorry for me because I'm black. And, and, and that, that's a sad thing, but it happens more often than people realize or want to admit that when people get confronted with those kind of hard facts, yes, it was a disgusting thing and it happened. And for me to talk about it, uh, shouldn't be, uh, you know, you can, you can, you can believe it or not, but the discussion should be tolerated, but some people just can't handle even a discussion about that. It's amazing. Well, and then to, to go in another direction, wasn't it, um, Kanye West that said something about, um, slavery was a choice. Yeah. Those who were slaves chose to be slaves. Yeah. That was Kanye. 
<laughs> when that came out, I just couldn't even believe that. But you know what? He gets a pass. He gets a pass because he gets a pass because I think he's suffering from mental illness. Um, I do. But I his do, family, but, his family yeah. does not get a pass because they should be helping that man get the proper treatment and medication. Well, I'll just, true. I'll just say that. True. I'll just say that. Shame on his family. The for comments not- like that are, well, yeah, absolutely. Comments like that are just ridiculous. You know, I, yeah. I think about the mind games that were played in slavery. I mean, to say, well, you know, the, the gates were open and you could have left anytime you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, no, here, let me, let me no. ask you this. Let me ask you this. Now you are the mother of a child who is still in school. Um, what do you think about the curriculum in the school when it comes to these issues about American history, specifically the role or the plight of black Americans throughout American history. Is it being taught correctly? I, you know, I don't know about correctly. I think that it's not being taught enough. Um, I know when Julianne was in like um, grade school and elementary, they would always do something for uh, black history month, Mm -hmm. but other than that, as far as high school, I don't really think so. Um, I don't know. It, 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 to me, it's almost like an afterthought. Okay. It's like, well, okay, well, we, we talked about Martin Luther King Day, and that's about it, <laughs> you know? I don't know. I, I don't know if it's because the, the teachers don't feel um, educated or, or, I guess, maybe well-versed on the topic, you know, because I've seen more than once on Facebook, somebody has posted, at what point in your schooling did you have your first black teacher? Mm. I mean, I didn't have one until college. I, I, I had Miss, I had, right had now. My, my, yeah, but didn't you have, didn't, I know I had Miss Ivy in music class in first and second grade at mm-hmm. Barber School there. Did, didn't you have her? I don't remember ever having her. Okay. I knew who she was because of, you know, who, who you and Richard would, would talk about it and everything. Uh, I never had a black teacher. It was no, okay. uh, my first year in college. I, my, my advisor, and then I had a black teacher for a couple classes. Now I've got a black teacher right now and she's now my new advisor because I've got a double major now. So she's my advisor for my second major, but no. And you know that and that speaks to the lack of black representation in you know education of course it's a, it's a major part of our society. It's a major molder or shaper of what our society will be and that right there is a screaming example of the lack of black representation in society. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um well, and I can even take that a step further and say that as far as at work, when I think about how many um, black counselors we have, there's not a whole lot. Um, and even as far as people that are non-counselors, there's not a whole lot. Well, what do you and say? What when do you, I was in, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. When, when I was in my previous position, um, I was often in charge of our 
questionnaires that would go out uh, probably about three times a year to see what our clients want, what they felt they were missing. And one of the common things that people would put down is there's no black counselors here. Mm-hmm. I need somebody that I feel can relate to me. I'm not saying that I don't like my counselor who happens to be white, but I, as a black person, would like to have a black counselor. Let me ask you this. Over and over again. Let me ask you this. When you talk about, uh, let's say you're talking about that very thing. There's a lack of black teachers, lack of black counselors, you know, lack of black representation in key elements of our society. And you have a white colleague, friend, or internet troll (laughs) who tells you, um, yeah, so what if there's no black people? That's racist. Why do, you, why do there need to be more black people in these positions? What do you say to them? Comments like that bother me, you know, because I, I think about um, the different lawsuits that have been made over the years for um, promotions as far as the police department when I, when I was with Akron. Um, there were lots of lawsuits in the past about they felt that um, it was unfair and that black people were being singled out and they, they weren't being promoted. And I mean, I don't know if that was true. Um, I, I think about if someone is qualified, they should get the promotion. It shouldn't necessarily be because they're black. Um, I don't know. That's that, that's a difficult one. I don't feel that it's racist to say, no, I want to have more people that are like me in a certain position, whether it's teaching or counseling or whatever it may be. I don't think that that's racist. That's just, you know, you want to be able to identify with someone. It's, it's right. no different than, say, when a woman goes to a gynecologist. Let's say that they have a lot of trauma in their history, and that trauma might have to do with being raped in the past. They may not want a male gynecologist. They want a female. And that would be understandable. It's not that that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. And that would be totally understandable. Yeah. Yeah. It's no different than with me as far as when I do finally become a counselor, I've made it very clear that while I'm not against working with men, because I have worked with the men actually fairly frequently, I would prefer to work with women. I feel like I can identify more with them sure. that I can offer a little bit more things to them. There's nothing wrong with that. Sure. <laughs> it's funny because I was kind of not exactly on this topic, but uh, on something that's s- slightly related. I was talking to Snoopy the other day about how I am able to communicate and relate to women easier than men which is pretty interesting. I guess I don't really think about it that often, but when I do think about it, it's like, yeah, you know, I, I look at some of my closest contacts, some of my closest, um, you know, partners that I cooperate with, whether it's music or, or, the, or this podcast or whatever, more often than not, it's women. So I guess I'm something of an anomaly when it comes to that. And I don't think that that's really all that strange though, because I can say that, um, since I've been in this new position at work, I was filling in for a while over at the men's facility and I was doing groups over there twice a week. Uh And when I first found out that I was going to have to do it, 
my first thought was kind of, oh, God, man, don't talk. This is going to be tough. I don't know what I can give them. You know, I, I can have a topic and everything, but they're not going to open up. They're not going to say anything. Quite honestly, I, in, in some ways, I did connect better with them, and I was very surprised at how mm. open and comfortable they were with me, and I really felt like they um, appreciated what I came with and what I had to offer them. So it, it was it was kind of enlightening on that. I, I did not expect it. Um, yeah. And that's why I say I don't, I'm, I'm not against working with men in the future, but I would prefer to work with women. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I so, so working with them. I mean, that's kind of done now. But. So, so, so uh, if we can just take like half a step backwards and go back to this thing about black representation and key elements of society. Um, um why do you think there are so, uh, yeah, why do you think that black people experience so often that they don't, you know, have that black teacher or that black counselor or that black person in some key functional element of, of society to relate to? Why is that? You're asking why they don't feel. No, why is it? Why is it that there are. Yes, yes, yeah. I don't know. That that's a good question. Um, I know with us where we grew up, why there were no black teachers because there were hardly any black people in the entire, well, village as it was called at the time. So, I get that, but that's just one area of 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 northeastern Ohio. I mean, I, I guess it makes me wonder. So let's use teachers for example. It, it makes me wonder. Are they not thinking outside the box when they're applying for positions in, say, a, a place like Norton where it's pretty much white people there? Are they just staying in their comfort zone and, and say, applying for positions in Akron or maybe Copley or that type of thing? Wow. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't necessarily feel that way. I mean, I, I would. I'm, I'm going to apply wherever I'm going to apply. Sure. It doesn't really matter to me. Well, did you, the, did the, you feel, did you feel when we were growing up uh, out there in our tiny little town, um, almost lily white, did you feel like something was missing because there were no other, you know, black people, no, definitely no black teachers or anything. Did you feel like something was missing or was it just the way things were and you never thought times, about it? It's, at, at times I felt like something was missing. Um, I mean, I feel like I just adapted this. This is what I had always known. I mean, you figure from second grade through 12th grade. I mean, that yeah. was just what I knew. Yeah. Um, I was probably more comfortable there. I mean, I guess if, if mom and dad had said, okay, we're moving back to Akron and we're going to send you to Bookdale, <laughs> would I have been scared? Oh Yeah. Absolutely. Uh -huh. Absolutely. And that was a big concern for me, knowing that I live in Akron now and I have this child and I have to try and figure out what school is good for her. Right. Would right. she have been okay going to some school like Bookdale? Oh no. no. And for no, those no, who no. and for those who aren't for those who are not uh, familiar with uh, these schools that we're talking about, uh Bookdale, uh at the time when we were in high school and junior high uh, and grade school was 
black. It was almost 100% black. Whereas our school out in Norton was, uh, I don't know, 95% white, I would say, at least, mm-hmm. if not more. Yeah. Let's say 97.5% uh, white. So, yeah, th- that's a big difference. That's a big social difference. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so you say... And it's a matter of where where are they going to fit in and what's going to be good for them? Because on, on the flip side, so when we moved to Ellet, which is basically all white too, um, Julianne started there. She had one year in Ellet schools. And quite honestly, those Ellet girls were mean to my child. I did not find out about it until probably the end of the school year. Now, do you but think they were mean because of, of her blackness? Um, somewhat. I think it was that. I think it was the fact that, you know, here's this new person coming in. Yeah. You know how mean kids can be. See, and because, think, yeah, yeah. And I asked that because when I... I there was a time when I would think back on how rough it got at times uh, through my school years. And I, I'm talking about like from my very first day in third grade all the way up until I graduated. And I, I sometimes would think, you know, they weren't saying this. You know, they weren't calling me the N-word because I was black. They were calling me the N-word because kids are mean and they were just using that to to, to, to get at me. I used to think like that. And I guess in some instances I still do, but I don't know, older and wiser, I think some of those kids were racist because they were taught to be by their racist parents. Right. Exactly. And you already know where I'm going to go. The neighbor down the street. Oh, Lord. That was absolutely racist. Everybody knew that her family was racist. Yeah. Um, they were quite open about that, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember once, you know how we all uh-huh. used to get together and play uh, play football, uh, most often in our backyard, because we had such a, mm-hmm. you know, what was it, acre and a half we had. Uh, and I remember her and her older brother, I cannot remember what his name was, doesn't matter what his name was, but they were there. Uh, we were playing football. And then for whatever reason, we moved the game from our yard down to their front yard. For some reason. So now we're playing football in their front yard of, of this racist family. And I said to her older brother, I cannot remember his name, but whatever. I said to him, I'm, I'm thirsty. Can I get some water? And he said straight up. And this is when it <laughs> hit me, hit me. You're laughing because, you know, hit me right in the face. It was like, it was just undeniable because he told me, he said, it's fine that we play football out here. But if you walk into that house, my father will lynch you. He said that my father will lynch you. And then the girl, his sister said, yeah, we don't let niggers in our house. I will never forget that. And that you just can't get any more proof than that, that that family had an issue uh, with, 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 with black people. I will never forget that. Oh, yeah. Um, so many stories, so many stories could be told about them. Um, didn't you guys, didn't you get in a fight with her once? We all used to fight, though. (laughs) Um, (laughs) she, 
I don't need, I don't even know where to begin with her. <laughs> no, it, it was, it, um, it, it's just I just, what yeah, went on. yeah. And I think that's a perfect example of, you know, you can't chalk it up to kids being mean because that girl and many others, <laughs> they were taught to be that way by their racist parents. So that's, um, mm-hmm. but then, you know, I try to talk about these things with some people and they're like, ah, you know, get over it. Come on, get over it. What do you say to those kind of people? It makes me angry. Don't tell me to get over it. Don't tell me to get over it. it and it's not that I'm necessarily dwelling on the past. No, no. But, you know, the example has been put out there before. Well, nobody says that to Holocaust victims or That's quite anything true. like that. Why? Don't tell me to get over it. Mm. You know, and then people that say, well, you know, I didn't do this to you. My family didn't do this to you. That's in the past. You know, why, why do you keep bringing that up? And well, I, I just want to roll my eyes at them. Well, yeah, and, and, and that's unfortunately the go-to defense defense and not that people need to defend themselves just because the issue of racism comes up, but a lot of people will, and I put this in air quotes, defend themselves by saying, well, why are you talking to me about this? I didn't do anything. My family didn't do anything, but that's not the issue. That's not, we're not trying to point the finger at you and say that you are racist. We are saying that racism is an issue and we are affected by it and it needs to be dealt with. As long as it's not dealt with, it's not going to get it's not going to get dealt with. And, you know, it's, it's hard to look back on some of the things that we dealt with in school as far as racial type things. Well, you know, there was always the occasional person that wanted to call me the N word. <laughs> you know, you would think that they would have learned. <laughs> Don't, no, that's what I no. always say. I, I, yeah. I beat up a few people. And it was just like instant rage. Who, who do you think you are? Yeah. No, I don't think so. You know, it breaks my heart. I, I, I know we've, we've talked about this before when you were on my podcast, and I've talked about this incident with other people. But I, I put myself in the position of being a parent, and if my children were to experience this, it breaks my heart to think about the very first day we get on the bus. And for several weeks and months after that, when we get on the bus <laughs> and those, you know, it's funny. It is. And those kids, I, if you can just picture for the listeners, just picture this. We're standing there at the bus stop, a couple doors down from where we lived, a couple houses down from where we lived. The bus pulls up and the door to the bus opens and right away, You hear the kids, they were already chanting this, already. It was, they had already gotten started. Ooh, ooh, ah, ah, send them back to Africa. Ooh, ooh, ah, ah, send them back. Saying that over, and we got on that bus, and what did we do? What did we do, Meredith? We didn't do anything, because it was like... Well, the thing is, is after a while, we started chanting it too. We didn't know. We, we did, it, it didn't register that they were saying that because of us. And it was, it was done in so many different instances on the bus. I mean, we'd be riding home and yes. it, it would just start or, yeah. or like yeah. finished with a, um, a sports or whatever. And you're, you're riding back and it would be chanted. And it's like, 
you can't tell me that the bus driver didn't think, okay, this well, is, why are the well, kids doing this? I, the I, I think that the bus driver should have stopped it. That's the thing. You know, I'm, I, I have contact with a few, not a lot, but a couple of my teachers from back in those days. And if you're listening, I guess the question, this question goes out to you as well. Those of you who, are, who were my teachers back then that I still have contact with, why in the world when all of this stuff was going on from third grade to 12th grade, how come not one single teacher ever pulled me aside or pulled me into the office and talked to me and asked me if I needed help? How come no one ever intervened when these things were going on? Not once, not once. Yeah, that's Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Not once. I have. But uh, I think people, people want to, sometimes people might want to intervene, but they are not sure. Oh, good Lord. Uh, Let me ask you this. Let me, let me ask you this. Um, (laughs) How could they not be sure? Here's an example. Um, I was playing baseball. Uh, You, you remember the guy? Uh, I'll tell you afterwards what the guy's name was, but his father was a coach. Right. Uh, I was playing first base. This guy was playing shortstop. And every time, you know, we were at, at practice and every time the ball would get hit to him. And when he would throw me the ball, me playing first base, he would throw it to me. And he would say, and excuse my listener, excuse me to my listeners, but I'm going to quote this guy. He, he would throw the ball and he'd say, fucking nigger. Every time he threw the ball huh. and he said it loud. Everybody heard it, wow. including wow. this kid's father. Not once, a word. not once did he tell him to stop. Not once did he intervene. Not once did he ask me if, if, if you know, not, not once he didn't get involved. Absolutely amazing. See, and I can't, and I can't forget that stuff. Um, and, and, and if that happened to me, I'm sure it happened to other black boys and girls in school. It's probably happening to black boys in schools today where these things are happening right out in the open and teachers are not getting involved and putting a stop to it. And that's frightening. That chills me to the bone. Like I said, I think of my kids now. What if they are experiencing those kind of things and no adults are getting involved in the situation? But you know what? Things are going on, not necessarily that, but I, I think about some of the things that Julianne has dealt with as far as bullying yeah. in school. And the, the schools always want to say we have a zero tolerance. That's a bunch of crap because, you know. They seem very hesitant to get involved and year. put a stop to it. Yes. Freshman year, she had so much going on, and I finally went in. I spoke to the principal. I spoke to the school resource officer that was working there, and it was basically, you know, well, nothing's actually happened. Not too much Mm. we can do. We can talk to them, but that only makes it worse. You know, then they do stuff that they're a little bit more careful about who sees it. Yeah. You know, that just makes it worse. There is no zero tolerance as far as I'm concerned. Well, zero tolerance was, sounds was, good and it looks good on paper, but it needs to be enforced. And I don't think it always right. is. I agree. I agree. I had even gone to the school and warned them about something I knew was going to happen. And it was like, well, <laughs> nothing really was done until after the fact. When it finally happened, then it was like, oh, okay, well, we're going to do this and this and this. 
Well, no. it's a little bit late. I warned you. I told you what was going to happen. What was your experience back in those old days? Did you also, thinking about it now, do you also think that some of the teachers were negligent in a sense? I don't think anybody, there was nobody ever around when I was mm. being called to N-word. It was always, you mm. know, maybe like a one-on-one or maybe other students around, that type of thing. See, I saw it in athletics. Not, not it, That didn't happen at all in my high school years, but in junior high and in elementary school, uh, in athletics, that kind of stuff was happening all the time. And those coaches knew it. They were right there. They heard it. Huh. So. Yeah, that's, that's sad. That's really, really sad. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I think people are afraid of confrontation and maybe just being unsure as to how to handle it. But again, I think that's about your diversity training that you should have. And that's well, that not, didn't exist like back just then. Just a one-time thing. Yeah, but that well, yeah, didn't exist true. back then. But I mean, that's absolutely. But I, I mean, I'm just saying that's that's certainly not a. Okay, well, when you were in your first year of, of college, we gave you diversity class, and that's it. No, that should be an ongoing thing, even after you start working. I mean, we we actually do it yearly at my job. Okay, yeah. Well, you know, uh, the administration is trying to get rid of all kinds of diversity training. They're saying it's racist to have diversity training. <laughs> And I, I just, I, I can't help but laugh over that. that. That's absolutely ridiculous. Isn't that something? Why would you not want to make everyone aware of different things that they might deal with or different people that they might have to deal with? You know, again, that's, that's the big thing with social work. They drill that into us from day one. You're going to have people that you may not necessarily agree with their lifestyle or whatever it may be. You have to put that aside. Yeah. Because you need to be professional. It's about your client. And some people just don't feel that way. Isn't that just called basic human decency? This The current administration does not want anyone to be taught basic human decency. That's what they're saying. Because they're not decent themselves. Thank you. <laughs> oh, boy. Is, it's, it's just sad. I, I My fear is that if... Trump wins again, and quite honestly, I feel like he very well might win again. Um, If people thought these last four years were bad, oh, it's really going to be bad these next four. Oh, yeah, because... I I just have this feeling that he's going to win again. I can't shake the fear. I don't have a feeling that he's going to, but I have a growing fear of him winning. Yeah, I I feel it. And, And then that thing about how he... Um, he feels that he should <laughs> he should be able to stay longer and he's not going to concede and all that stuff. Oh, uh, I don't know. We're, yeah, we're but that's just a but that's just a bunch of crazy talk. I mean, I, can you imagine uh, Joe Biden gets uh, he wins, you know, uh, and what is it? January. What is it? January 3rd or whatever, when he's supposed to actually take over the White House. Can you imagine if Trump is still there at that point? He is an unwanted and unauthorized occupant of the White House. Don't you think the Secret Service will just put him in handcuffs and drag him out? I, and I, I you know, I hope so. Yeah, I'm just saying. I don't put any. I don't. I don't put any. Um, 
I just don't take that seriously when he's talking about staying longer than he should. Uh, yeah, he's most likely going to try and put, you know, run something through the courts all the way up to the Supreme Court and try and contest uh, the election results. But, but uh, yeah, sh- barring a situation like we had with Bush and, and Al Gore, uh, that's just not going to go anywhere. And then the point will come where he has to leave. Otherwise, he is actually, you know, <laughs> an illegal inhabitant of the White House. I wish he would. I wish he would. I would love to see him out, uh, taken out in handcuffs. That would be a heck of a sight. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be a fight. He, he's like you said, he's going to do everything he can to cause problems. I fear when he loses and he's out of the White House and he goes back to a regular citizen or well, a citizen anyway. Uh, I, I fear him still gathering supporters and they cause mm-hmm. some yeah. kind of, they turn into some sort of, uh, uh, movement that's even more violent, uh, and out and overtly racist than what they are now. That's what I fear. You know, I really hadn't thought about that, but you're right. It, it probably will happen. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. And that is really a scary thought. Well, if you ever get refugee status, you can come here to Norway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I almost Tom got talks I, about it all the time. Yeah, we should just we should just pack up and just move to Norway. I almost got knifed by Snoop the other day. I said if there's some kind of civil war, then uh, I'm going back home with Harlan and we're going to fight. <laughs> she just about cut me with her butter knife at the dinner table there. <laughs> what Harlan say? Uh, you know, he's, he's, he doesn't get it. I, he, he laughed, but I don't think he really got the point of, yeah, what it meant, what I was saying. Could you imagine, <laughs> you know, people are talking civil war. Now, I don't think there's going to be a civil war. I think that's a gross exaggeration of the situation. Um, there's going to be idiots in the streets with guns shooting them. Uh, people are going to get hurt probably. People will probably get killed. God forbid, but I, I have a feeling that that can happen. But a full-scale civil war, I just don't see it happening. What do you think? Uh, I think if, okay, so if, if he wins again, I think that there's going to be some bad repercussions as far as the U.S., you know, with, with riots and, and protests and all that stuff. But on the flip side, I also think that if he continues, like if he wins and he continues with the attitude that he has towards other countries, I, I'm really surprised that someone hasn't declared war against us as of yet. I think it's going to happen if he wins again because hmm. he his arrogance and his just the smugness that he has about everything and, and, and mistreating people and talking about other countries and just, just playing the big man on campus role. People are just tired of it. I think that somebody's just going to say, you know what, let's just, let's just fire off a, a bomb. Let's, let's just bomb whoever uh-huh. it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. And I, that might sound conspiracy theorist, Oh, thing, far from it. I, I, I feel like, I, I feel like it's gonna, I, I think it's gonna happen. Yeah. I do. I'm really surprised it hasn't yet. 
Well, it's not inconceivable, but I, I, yeah, your, your scenario is not inconceivable, but I, I think that the idea of a civil war within the United States, it's just, it's just not going to happen. I don't see, I don't think there's enough crazies on the far right to actually be able to mount a, a, a real civil war. I just don't get, I don't see that happening. I, and and I think that they will try, you know, with, with the riots and with the um, protests and all that stuff. Mm. That, I think, is going to get really bad. I think people better be prepared after the election, you know, depending on which way it goes. It's, it's <sighs> going to be ugly, I think, regardless of which way it goes. Concealed carry. Protect yourselves. I don't know. That's, that's a whole nother conversation too. <laughs> you know, I, um, I, I have no problem with someone being a gun owner and protecting your home, but am, am I personally comfortable toting my gun around town? No, I don't really feel comfortable with that, but I do feel like everyone should be, um, trained and how to properly use and clean a, a gun and everything. Everyone should know how to shoot. You just don't know what kind of situation you're going to get into that involves you needing to know how to shoot. So yeah. You know, and I think that's what it comes that. down to. I think it comes down to training. I think a lot of people who have uh, concealed carry permits, they don't have enough training with that weapon uh, to handle it properly if a situation arises. That's just my opinion. Right. I have no facts to back that up, but I right. just get the image. I, because I, I know the amount of training it takes to properly handle a, a, a gun, and and it doesn't seem that most people are getting that, that, uh, that level of training, that amount of training. Just an opinion. And un- unless I don't you're constantly, un- unless you're constantly going to the range. Well, exactly. Practice, exactly. There you go. You know, exactly. It's, it's not. It's not just about oh, I went through the class. I, exactly. I now have my CCW. Exactly. There's more to it. You exactly. need to practice, just yeah. like with anything. Yeah. And th- those who are carrying, uh, uh, even if you have a concealed carry uh, permit, those who are carrying without that proper amount of training, not the required amount, because the required amount may not be proper, but those that don't have the proper amount of training and they're carrying, I think they're doing uh, something that's very, very irresponsible. I'm not anti-gun for those who are listening. I'm not anti-gun, far from it, but uh, I'm very pro-responsible gun owner. I I don't accept anything less. Right. So. Yeah, and I, I, um, I, I'm very much a believer in, like I said, everybody should know how to shoot. You just don't know these days with the way things are. You better learn how to shoot, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, we've put in a good hour this morning, this afternoon for me, this morning for you. Let's uh, wrap it up and call it quits. Are you? Do you have anything going on in your life, or do you know of anybody who has anything going on that you'd like to promote here? Mm, I have a photography friend <laughs> that that uh, is amazing. She took some great pictures of Julianne and. Uh, I'll promote her business. Her name is Serena Cernick. 
And Serena she's absolutely Cernan. amazing. If you want her, if you want her information, those of you in the U.S. or Ohio, I should say, give me a call and I will give you her information. There you go. And you guys will be able to contact uh, Meredith uh, when you go in on the link to this episode on my Facebook page. Um, yeah, there we go. Got to spread a little love. Got to right. spread a little joy. I like supporting people who have things going on. So that's also part of what this podcast is about. So thank you for plugging your friend, right. your friend's photography information. Okay, stick around. I'm going to sign off, but stick around for one second, Meredith, okay? Okay. 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 Thanks for being my guest today. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Bye, everybody. Thank you and goodbye.